see you coming back in here with fucking jumpsies. I want to see you coming back in here with bloodstained jumpsies, man. Look at anybody going sitting of a pint with those boys after that. And the referee is looking around and acting as Mickey. Tell the children to play tennis or something. If they want to play tennis, go and play tennis. Welcome along to the three-man weave with me, Mark Perry, joined by Mick McCarthy and PJ Brown. Lads, what's the crack? How are you, Mark? Oh, I'm very good. I'm surprised you have any interest in the old uh, the the sport of the true gales this week after your exploits in Ellen Road at the weekend, watching your beloved Leeds United. Oh yeah, look at you have to you still have to keep both on the same you know going at the same time. I was watching my beloved Leeds United while also uh, straight after the game having AirPods or fake AirPods in, <laughs> listening to Cavan beat for Mana. It's in Enniskillen. Uh, fair play, got that in that way earlier than last week actually. PJ, you'll uh, Mark sent a photo of him at the Billy Bremner statue. Okay, and uh, you know a true Gale obviously puts the AirPods in to listen to the match when they're over at a game of soccer in England, but a real true Gale wears a Cavan zip up. <laughs> jacket to a Leeds United match you know no sign of any Leeds colours or anything yeah. like that but just pure like you know always always represent the GEA at all times you know? do you think you were the only person around Ellen Road listening to Northern Sound at the time <laughs> <laughs> well to be fair it was a bit after the end of that stage you were back in the hotel I was I think the only person saw the Cavan jacket might I add though he says no Leeds colours despite the fact that the Cavan colours and the Leeds colours are the same just in reverse but uh, <laughs> it's a navy jacket like with just the crest of the Cavan on it blue and white <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got a packed show coming up for you later on. We will. Uh, we'll probably not be discussing any more Cavan for Mana, but hopefully I'm going to squeeze a bit in. Yeah, or Leeds. But we'll be talking about uh, the football and hurling action from the weekend gone by and previewing Congress this weekend. I know, PJ, you're really dun, pumped dun, for dun. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, can't wait. Can't wait. Uh, but before we get into all that, uh, we just want to let you know that we are having a special uh, Clubhouse Live event with Sports Direct in Balahi's Club, Balahi Wolf Tones Tone, and Derry, this Thursday evening at half past seven. We're going to be talking about uh, club club football in in Ulster and in the during the troubles in Balahi, uh, one of the most successful Ulster teams of all time. And we're also going to be joined by two of their biggest rivals mm-hmm. in Peter Canavan of Errigal Ciaran and Ushim McConville of Cross McGlen. There was a great rivalry between those three clubs in the 90s and 2000s. We'll also have Eamon McGee, a recent Ulster Championship Club Championship winner with uh, Guidor and of course from Donegal. He'll be there as well. And Danny Quinn from Balahi who won uh, the Club All-Ireland with Balahi back in the day and also at County All-Ireland with he won the club. All, he won the actual All Ireland with Derry. He didn't win the club All Ireland, but he won uh, two Ulster clubs. So they won it in 1972. Now the first club you were pointing out to ever win yep. the Ulster Championship, or to, to ever win the All Ireland Championship, because East Kerry won it. Kerry, first that, ever, but that they were divisional thing strikes again, PJ. <laughs> yeah, well, apparently uh, they were allowed to play back then. I didn't actually realize that until recently. Yep, there you go. And then uh, Blahi beat UCC of Cork ah. uh, the year after. So uh, we'll be, there'll be, so be plenty of crack. We're also going to be trying to pick our Ulster 15 to beat the dubs because that's how desperate we've got, <laughs> the rest of the country has gotten yeah. to try and beat Dublin. So we knew we were doing that. And then I watching the games this week and watching the highlights and everything like that. And I changed my mind for goalkeeper alone on that team three times over the course of the weekend. <laughs> you went from begging to Patton to... I went from begging to Patton Change my mind on Patton at the end. And then I kind of brought Niall Morgan into the conversation. And needless to say, I'm not sure at the moment. <laughs> I haven't made a decision. I might let the experts do it and I might stay out of it altogether. Yeah, so obviously it should be a great, great night's crack. If you want to get tickets to that, the event kicks off at half past seven. You can find details on our Eventbrite. It all should be up on site. You'll see it on our social media channels as well. You can uh, find the link there to get yourself tickets um, for, the, for the night on Thursday night at half past seven. So it should be a great load of fun. But lads, back to today's show. 
Dublin against Donegal, right? I need to give a shout out. I want to start with a shout out to Evan Cobb-Mufford's mam. RT or the GA tweeted out uh, a brilliant save by Cumberford. Um They, you know, you see these going up all the time. These social media clips, and what's lovely to see is the sort of the the GA community aspect. You know, the family aspect. You see, Evan Cumberford's mam, Anna Cumberford. Well commented under. Well done, Evan. Some save. <laughs> all well and good. Except it's the wrong Evan Comerford. That was temporary goalkeeper Evan Comerford's mother, Anna, <laughs> responding to a save from Dublin goalkeeper Evan Comerford. Look, not everyone's big into the GA mark. I mean, like, it's easy to get these things mixed up. Your own son. <laughs> so, well, look, I'm, I'm trying to make some kind of excuse for so here when. I was trying to figure this out. Like, did, so the, the tagline for the GA post just said Evan Comerford save. That's all it said. But then there's very clearly. The defeat, the, the image on it that's uh, the, is the the thumbnail is very clearly a Donegal player. Maybe she didn't think about who Tipperary were playing that week and didn't watch the video. It's the only possible scenario. There's no way she thought her son was suddenly playing for Dublin and looked very different than the son she raised. Yeah, the fact that there's two Evan Comerfords as uh, first uh, first choice. Or, well, not first choice, I suppose, never covers, but top inter-county first goalkeepers the moment, yeah. is kind of remarkable, isn't it? Yeah, it is a bit mad. I, I, like, I, I mean, it, I, poor Anna, like, I mean, it's not her fault she's getting confused there. She, it's not like she's, she's living in an era where the mothers wash their sons' like jerseys anymore either, you know. That I'm, 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 I'm trying to make, think up as many mitigating circumstances as <laughs> I like possibly can here. Like, <laughs> oh, it's very funny and fair. Now, I, I missed this game, obviously, as a way, and uh, from what I heard, just judged by the analysis, it sounded like... Donegal, I was following a bit on Twitter, Donegal got well ahead, Dublin pulled it back, and then they got a length of rope, some handcuffs, uh, and God knows what else, just tied all the Donegal players down and said, no, no more, we're not going to see anything else, and just, it was nothing but cynicism and fouling from there on in. Was that true? No. So the... <laughs> so the there was a bit of it. Of course, there was. The game. there was a bit of. I'll tell you what it was though. There's there was an element of what every team in the country does when they're leading in a game, and it's a problem with the sport and not a problem with Dublin, in my opinion. Now the narrative has turned into a bit of a Claude McAlealy, as I'd call it. Right. So this is Claude McAlealy, who I always called the most overrated, underrated player in the world. It wasn't that he was not great. It was that people consistently talked about how great he was, and then told me that he was never being talked about. Dublin. The idea that Dublin are cynical is the great, nobody ever talks about it but of our times. Because it's constantly, they talked about it on League Sunday for ages. That, oh, if this was Tyrone now, we'd never hear the end of it. Well, do you know what, lads? We're never hearing the end of it. It's just because you say before it that nobody ever talks about it doesn't make it the fact that nobody ever talks about it. Every GA team, every football team, I think, does this at the moment. They kill time. It's been happening since, two, like, 2012 Dublin Mayo game. I thought that this was this became the most prevalent it's been. I thought Dublin got their own back more than uh, more than enough in the twenty thirteen All Ireland final against Mayo when they did it for the last five minutes, and ever since then it's been every team. And it's just like that is kind of what happened, but at the same time the story from the game because this happens at every game. The story from the game I think is that Donegal were very very good, and Dublin just seemed to be able to turn it on 
as they did against Monaghan a few weeks ago with the help of various different fact- factors they'll seem to be able to just not be beaten the, when they're kind of trying out things under a new manager in the league you know? though, though they change the team they change like personnel they all seem to have the same mentality the same ability to close out those games and it wasn't just like that I, actually I thought that Donegal tried to do a little bit of what Dublin do mm. in like keeping possession yeah. and Donegal were excellent in this game yeah very the, Donny, good they, they were like I, I thought like early on in the season that Kerry might be the only one who could put it up to, to Dublin but like seen the last few weeks in Monaghan doing it and now Donegal you're like God like Donegal might be another dance partner for kind of for Dublin here. Yeah. Like at midfield, I thought they were superb with like Michael Langan and Hugh McFadden. Darrow Boyle was kind of operating around there as well. They were they're really athletic. They're really they're good passers of the ball as well. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're they're the kind of players who could can stick with someone like Brian Fenton. Yeah. And Fenton, I would say, was quiet, you know. Yeah, um, they were kind of playing a midfield on his own, it seemed to me, yeah. for a lot of it. But uh, you got another thing with Donegal is that you have Ryan McHugh, one of the quieter games I've actually seen him play, really, you know. And uh, uh, McBrearty comes off the bench pretty late, pretty mm. ineffective, his first game of the year. So you can kind of almost think without two of their three hitmen, Donegal should and could have beat the, dub, the dubs now. Their other hitman was in the type of form that makes us all kind of drool a little bit, you know. And it, it was kind of one of those Michael Murphy displays where you're like, Jesus Christ, this is one of the best players mm. I've ever seen play this game. You know, even just in a league match, like the, sometimes you just think that. The kick out, the set job with Brian McHugh having a quiet game, but that set piece kind of kick out where it's a long, long kick out from Pat and Murphy goes up and just flicks it on straight into yeah. McHugh's path. It was beautiful. Like, exactly he could have been like one of the great goals ever scored yeah, yeah. in Croker. Like, yeah. yeah, it was exactly like 20, was it 2014? I think yeah. they did that. To, they got something to kind of beat yeah. the breath. Yeah, there was a, Murphy, Murphy played close to goal and just leave him there. For the love of God, just leave him there. <laughs> so like, dangerous. <laughs> Wins everything that comes in on them. Got a couple of marks. I didn't. I don't love it. I have to say, but let's not even get into that now. The he's, fact is, he's very good at it. Yeah, he's so, a smart player who can take advantage of it. Yeah, yeah. Taps the ball over the bar in no time. Like he was just fantastic. The possession he wins. This is an important note for our uh, thing um, for our big discussion that we're going to be having Thursday night in Blahi in terms of uh, when you're picking this Ulster fifteen. Everybody's going to go. Oh yeah, Michael Murphy will put him at eleven because they can't decide between full forward and midfield. Yeah. Michael never Murphy has to go full forward. <laughs> Absolutely. Like I'm, the I'd have, is, I, if you're picking I, an Ulster 15, not thing, into pe- it, but you've pe- Colin McShane, obviously he's out injured now, but in the, if he's fully but fit. this is it. People will say Colin McShane because like, he has to be in a team and you're again, you're just trying to fit everybody in like the All-Stars. But Michael Murphy's the best full forward in the country mm. and you have to you know use him there. He's probably not the best midfielder in the country. Also, I think in games like this, you should be thinking further down the line as in... We do, okay, it doesn't really, do we, if we lose this game, it be, would be good if we won this game, but we don't absolutely have to win it. That we'd be better off letting like Langan and McFadden at midfield deal with that situation. And in the long term, they will benefit from that. They leave Murphy inside. Yeah, that's actually what I was going to say was when Dublin started getting back into the game in the middle of the second half and looked to start to kind of like, Donegal were holding on a bit. And to be honest, if it wasn't for the goal, which we'll talk about in a second, because I want to talk a little bit about the goalkeeper. But if it wasn't for that goal, Donegal might have held on. They were holding them off. They were going point for point when it looked like Dublin were back in it. They were staying that one or two ahead the whole time. But what did Donegal do in that time? 
they lost their teeth because they took Murphy out. And look, he does a job there, and I understand why they do it, but it's exactly to your point, PJ, is like, let's think about, let's give these lads some responsibility without mm. Murphy, and let's see if we can still have that bit of danger inside. And they kind of went back to type a little bit. Now, he's inside more than I've seen him over the course of a game in a long time, you know, and I think the mark definitely helps that. I think the mark could be encouraging for someone like Michael Murphy to actually play further up the field. I think the thing before was, you, you can leave him inside full forward now because it looks like Donegal have players who can feed him, yeah. who can like give ball into him. Yeah. That you don't need him out the field to providing ball for the forwards. That he should be the one in there and you probably have people out there now who can do that. Definitely. I think there's a, just last point on Murphy as well is that I think sometimes when we advocate, and it's, it, in Hurling it was Joe Canning for years, you know, well, and Murphy has been the exact same. When we advocate for lads to stay inside and to be a full forward rather than a roving midfielder, one of the things that makes... Murphy dangerous when he is in midfield I remember watching him against was a Tyrone last year where I remember just watching him for a couple of minutes and he was walking down the side of the pitch when everything else was happening on the far side mm-hmm. and it just and then he just comes into space and taps it over the bar and he has that ability to disappear that he has out the field he doesn't need to just stand on the edge of the square he can do all that yeah. but just in a more advanced position you know he can still be that kind of almost sneaky by that little mm. bit of space player like you know so I, I, I'd I love to see a little bit more of it and they did it a good bit at the weekend and, and, and were pretty good they still lost though and I think that's it, I think it's important to talk a little bit about Dublin like outside of the the anger of their cynicism and stuff like that because watching against Monaghan you can talk about what the referee did in terms of the extra time all you like and stuff like that Dublin still managed to get three points in that elongated period of time when you know when they kept the heads when nobody else did and they did the same again in the second half the other day and they are trying out things there's a definitely a different feel to this team under Farrell so far and they've got lads coming in and out like we, we were talking earlier PJ about you know Craig Diaz kind of coming from nowhere and coming so back six the seven team. years into the last game unbelievable like yeah. you know and it didn't really work out I don't think he played well and he was hauled at half time but it just shows you that they are trying a few things here this isn't the full strength Dublin team uh, quite yet but when the when the need to do is there, they're just so used to winning matches. They just mm. never lose the head. They're never beaten. Like it's going to be interesting to see who plays midfield with uh with Fenton come the championship. Yeah, because it does seem like they're, they're obviously trying stuff out. Like with DS, there is just like where the hell did this come out of? I, I think Teddy Farley call him one of the best players in the Dublin club championship. So mm. like he, he he was a club manager with Nafina last year. So yeah. obviously he has, a, he has an eye on kind of lads like that. Uh, but. Like it'll be interesting. Does McCauley come back in for the championship? Uh, Howard played there a couple of games earlier on, but like did apparently like Howard isn't a midfielder. No. Like he, he doesn't play there. Like I think Brian Fenton pointed out last week that like Brian Howard doesn't play at midfield for Rahini. Mm. So I like I'd be interested to see what they're actually going to. Do. Are they kind of fumbling a little bit at the moment? I think yeah. like they're they're not sure who it's going to be. Well, that's I'd agree with you, and I'd also look at Dublin. and I'd say like, who is the? If I was a Dublin fan, who's the player? What am I looking out for from this from the the league to um, make me kind of confident ahead mm-hmm. of the championship? And it's like, right, their best players I thought at the weekend were Kilkenny, were um, uh, Brian Howard, and you know, maybe Davy Byrne or mm. someone like that. And yeah. you're thinking right there, the lads you kind of, they're the lads who've been playing stage. well in the league anyway. Yeah. yeah. And you'd kind of expect those guys to be there to, to do it. And you know that James McCarthy will come in, you know that Jack McCaffrey will come in and that they'll step it up and they'll be pretty good. I almost want to see more of the young lads making a, a, yeah. a, a kind of a break for it. And I thought, I, I thought that, um, Oh, Merchant was very, very good at the weekend. And then you also have like, they did have a young lad in, um, in Bugler. 
yeah. Sean Bugler, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who was really, really good, especially in the first half. And then you're thinking, right, that, that's what I want to see if I'm a Dublin fan. Is the guy in there that nobody's really paying attention to that suddenly a new forward on the list and a new guy that we can look out for. And maybe there is a forward spot available on that team. Like, they, they, they did it all the way throughout the Jim Gavin era in yeah. that every year someone new came onto the, onto the team. Like it was Scully, it was Howard, like with Merchant towards the end there. And may, like it'll probably be Bugler this year. I don't know if they actually had someone last year. If someone actually, maybe you could say it was Merchant, but he had been like on the team towards yeah. the end, the end of the previous it year. Took a, it took a long time for Merchant to kind of get a foothold, especially mm. in the championship last year. You would have thought he was going to take the step. I think this year is his step, though. Big news. Speaking of young guns, Prince Harry will still be called Prince Harry, despite the fact that they're dropping their royal thing from the brand. He'll not be his royal highness. Anymore, but he, he played, you know, again at the weekend. I know uh, you were in England at the weekend, Mark, but this is a GA show. Uh, Mick, see, this is because you don't listen to our content when you're not here. You'll know that Prince Harry has been playing for Dublin since the start of the league. We've discussed this many times in the podcast, uh, and we were worried that we were just going to have to call him Harry from now on. And uh, <laughs> it, wouldn't be, out, it wouldn't be great for this segment. It's Harry Watch. Harry Watch, given that his name is Aaron. Um, but uh, he played well at the weekend as well. He's, uh, he's kind of a bit of a talent that have unearthed it. Yeah, he, he, he looks like electric. When he gets the ball, he looks like he's got pace. He knows what to do with it as well. It, it feels like something's going to happen. And like he came on the sub late on uh, against Donegal uh, Donegal were going forward looking for an equalising score and he there he pops up at like halfback cornerback kind of picks up a ball that Dara Wheel overplay tried to overplay to like Neil McGee is bursting forward I, like I don't know how quick Dara Wheel thinks that Neil McGee is he's not as quick <laughs> <laughs> he's not as quick as you think he is Neil McGee market Kevin McMenamin was, so, was like almost an out of time battle in, a, in the match <laughs> you know you had a lot of young lads yeah. playing at the weekend can I give one more just mention and we did talk about Evan Comfort as a joke there but this is it's very I know this is his like second or possibly even third league campaign he had a Leinster championship last year as well you know but like or two years ago but like Evan Comfort is 22 and I think you know what I saw at the weekend anyway it looks like that there is a natural successor mm-hmm. there a real natural successor for Cluxton and it's almost filling that Dublin timeline from Paddy Cullen to John O'Leary to Cluxton to, to this guy you know with the, the weird Davy Byrne year in the middle but mm-hmm. you know uh, it seems to me from the saves and the kickouts, everything like that that he is I like it's a really really good idea if you've got this legend like this like probably go down as one of the best footballers of all time that you're replacing and that he's going to have three league campaigns under his belt he'll have a few championship games and he'll be an experienced footballer which is not something that sub goalies generally have the luxury of being Mm. before they're thrown in you know I like I I think he could be really good I I just I would totally have hold back total judgment yet until like you see him really in the heat of championship because like we were, we were saying earlier, the, the two all Ireland finals, the, the drawing game, the replay, it felt like in those games that every kick out was of huge consequence. Like this is the biggest moment. The, everyone was like the biggest moment of the game because the keepers were under like real pressure to actually find someone. And it doesn't, certainly like in the Dublin Kerry League game earlier this year, it didn't feel like that. Every, yeah. every kickoff was going off 
it was easy. You were finding someone, no problem whatsoever. That'll totally change. Like, towards, like if, if Dublin Kerry meet in a Super 8 game, if they meet in, like, later in the championship, that it will be a completely different scenario. And then you do kind of wonder, well, how does he react in mm. those situations under, under real pressure? But what he does have under his belt, not, not just, like, having played league games, he's played a load of league games at Crow Park, yeah. like, as well. That, that's, that's, that is another advantage that Dublin have. Like they're playing these league games in Crow Park, where the big games when Evan Comerford is under massive pressure, that's where those games are going to be taking place. Yeah. It's the best possible uh, preparation he could have mm. without actually being in the white heat, which obviously at the moment he's still got Cluxton. The only other player to mention from that game was Sean Patton made a mistake for the goal that will probably make the headlines. Mm. It was he probably lost under the lights as you said, you know, it wasn't great, but. My God, that man's kickouts, pressure or no pressure, what he's doing with them. Same, continuing yeah. on from last year and from what he's done earlier on this season as well. But the way he, the way he's able to just drop a ball on a sixpence from fifty yards to exactly over by an inch over the midfielder and then straight into the stride of the attacker is absolutely phenomenal. Like you mentioned as well, Donegal uh, being a potential dance partner for Dublin for the All Ireland, but I'm really excited with the Ulster Championship. Never mind the All Ireland <laughs> because Monaghan are back. <laughs> Again, and again, we thought they were going away, but Banty has brought them back, and they're flying again. Niall Cairns is fit. Jeez, uh, Conor McCarthy's in flying form. Really good win against Mayo at the weekend. Then I thought, good into it. I was like, Jesus, good into this weekend. I was like, you know, you've got Monaghan coming, you've got Tyrone, you've got uh, with Cahill McShane coming back, or whatever, and then Tyrone obviously lose to Galway. Get get a hockey and really uh, Carl McShane looks like a serious injury as well serious five months out I think the Irish time the Irish Evander reported Jesus. this morning yeah Should like it's just Australia. desperate look yeah but um, so you don't know if what where Toronto are going to be but then I suppose the, the big thing coming out of that then is Galway mm. being potential dance partners for <laughs> for Dublin for the All-Ireland so like they're two big teams that last year disappointed but are really back and flying forward now but Monaghan and Galway Mo- Monaghan look like they are like, like I feel like they've been training hard Actually, we know we do. We, we know they've been training hard. We might have some information. They've been training hard, then like they, they might have let on. Uh, so they do look really, really good. They, they look like against Dublin, they, some of the football was, it was sensational. It was, it, was, it, was lo- it was really nice play from, uh, especially early on. I remember, I think we talked about it last week, the pass into Conor McManus for the, was it the first Conor McManus yeah. goal early on? Like, it was really good football. Um, Conor McCarthy was brilliant, like against uh, against Mayo yesterday. Oh, he was he's like one of those players you've been waiting to like to turn up, yeah. f- f- to really turn up, just, like because everyone knew how good he could be. There's just a few changes, like him going out at number eleven, uh, Ryan Wiley at centre half back. Mm. It's interesting. This time last year, uh, you might remember on the podcast we did uh, picking a fifteen from all of Ireland to beat the Dubs, and uh, we had I think five Monaghan men in it. I remember mm. look, I was looking back at Morrison and a month or two ago, like. Oh, do with five Monaghan minutes and now it starts to make sense again you're like oh no because Carol O'Connell's class Ryan Wiley's class uh, obviously McManus begging so like and then Conor Boyle has been a real find I think he used to play for the forward and now he's back and full back for mm. them so they're definitely uh, they're definitely a team to watch out for I, I, I do worry wonder kind of about their depth like oh like long term if, you, yeah. if, you, if you're starting this well in the league it's all going it's all fine well now but like come later in championship are you going to be tired like what players like what players do you have coming off the bench like if you're having to play your best players now yeah you do worry they do wonder like is it kind of like we were scamming a couple of years ago where they attack the league mm. beat Kerry you know when they're up in division the first time and then uh, kind of come peter out a little bit come championships so we'll have to wait and see don't but, forget the banty factor 
the banty factor there as well. Is, there's no, there's no, nothing else to say about it. It's just the banty factor. It it's could just, happen. It could. I, uh, I, I did notice that Sean, Sean Kavanagh briefly at one once called him the banty. <laughs> oh, I like it. <laughs> is he not I, always the banty? I don't. I, I most people would call him banty, but Sean Kavanagh at one point leaves on last night. Would you not said, like say I buy the banty kind of, but his name is banty? No, he said no. I was I was sitting no. next to the banty. At, yeah. uh, at, an, at a McKenna Cup game I've never heard I'd that I'd always refer to him as the Can I take it <laughs> First name the Second name Banty I'm not one to overreact To the league now Or anything like that but Or, or to ever describe As the be all and end all But I will take a quick Lap of honour On Galway scoring 225 uh, Yesterday Under uh, Porrick Joyce As opposed to Kevin Walsh I did spend The vast majority Of time On last year's podcast Talking about how Galway needed a new direction and needed to move on from Kevin Walsh like again no, no offence to Kevin Walsh it was just the way it was the he, it, his system of management isn't necessarily bad it just didn't suit this group of players everybody could see it and regardless of the circumstances yesterday of the sending off of the Shane injury and everything else that was going on with Throne to see Galway play football like that is what I think the country has been waiting for for we're talking five years now mm. even with this group of lads coming through and everything the Curafin have been doing everything like that so um, pleasure to watch I think um, don't will it bring them any further you know as you said are they a potential dance partner for Dublin we've no way of knowing that yeah it's way too early but um, 2.25 in a game of football is Incredible. exactly what it's we want bad. to be seeing yeah. they were, they were the, Tyrone were down to 13 men I, yeah. I think but still like, Shane Walsh got 1.8 he he looks like he's in the form of his life. Yeah, he, he looks like the player, like like Conor we McCarthy did. Like going to everyone be, yeah. thought he was like it could be like yeah. 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 And last year, I think he it was like Shane Walsh was a little bit back last year compared to the four or five years ago when he broke through. It was like that was the player he was showing glimpses of it again, but he could take that step forward mm. again now this year. Like I, I think Shane Walsh is kind of something. Cl- David, no no one puts bums on seats like David Clifford in in in, in both football and hurling but Shane Walsh is like someone who's up there at that level I think that like people will turn up to watch Shane Walsh play like this speaking of David Clifford I enjoyed in the match report uh, on the Allianz Sunday League Sunday and Sunday night that uh, there was like all the different you know highlights by lads scored a goal then this rattled the only bag then this like got a black card or whatever of Kerry Mead and then they picked out David Clifford got a yellow card for remonstrating with the referee. <laughs> it was like, if no matter what he does on the pitch, it needs to be included in the highlights package. I thought, box office. yeah, I thought it was going to be a typical match of the day where he ends up getting the red card at the end of it. That's where they highlight the fact they got a yellow. But no, it's just like anything that happens, David Clifford it has to be spoken about. But lads, quick before we move off to football, tier two danger zone, danger zone watch. That's what I'm going to yeah. call this tier two danger zone. Zone. Um, we all talked about how Division 2 and that relegation battle is going to be so intense. But there's a bit of daylight starting to open up. You've got Kildare, Fermanagh and Clare now all on two points, and then three points up to fifth, where you've got Leash, Westmead, Roscommon and Armagh all tied on five. So the promotion race there is brilliant. Yeah. But with three games left to go, you're, it's going to be tricky for, I, I think... It five. has to be two of the three of them. Now, see, yeah, I think. some, yeah. you're thinking now yeah. it has Claire to be. Clare were very unlucky not to get a draw at least yesterday. They played well, you know, 112 to 111, and we're kind of coming back into it for a long period. The second half, it felt like it was one of those matches that was a couple of minutes longer. They might have got it. And Leash are well in it then. If they're, if they're both on, if Leash are on four points, Clare are on three. There's four Leash teams on five. Leash are on five now, I'm saying. But if they had, if, that, oh, sorry, if yeah, it yeah. ended in a draw, you kind of feel like the teams on five points are close to safe now, you know, because yeah. you can't see the three of them. Uh, you know, two of the three kind of getting uh, big runs. So I think Claire Fermanagh and Kildare, like this is like 
you kind of half expected it with Clare and Fermanagh, but if Kildare are relegated, you know, this is, it's amazing. We are just saying outside, like, we'll talk about Division 3 in a sec, but, like, Division 2 and 3 at the moment is, like, the most it's ever been on the line for a mm-hmm. league campaign. It's class, like. <laughs> yeah, Division 3, this promotion push, Jesus. So you've got Cork, Cork are up. Four from four, right? Yeah. Cork are on eight points. You think they're pretty much safe to go. But for the second spot, a late goal for down yesterday against Longford means that you've got Longford on five points, Derry on five points, Offaly on five points, and down on five points, and then Tipperary on three points just behind them as well. That's anybody's yeah. second place. Yeah. It's funny, Tip aren't even out of it, actually, because that's yeah. the type of thing they could come from. You could come on a late run like and beat the teams above you and win those last three games. But uh, I don't know. I'd fancy Derry still. Yeah, probably. In relation to... I long for the playing very well. Good to see Offaly um, putting together some like a, the, yeah. you know this kind of run. Offaly wouldn't have been a county that you'd even be putting in the bracket of the counties you just mentioned there um, for a good long time now. Like you know, yeah. and then suddenly they're just in competing at that level. It's well, brilliant. that's because you've not you mentioned the Banty factor, the John Mon factor. <laughs> <laughs> Chinky's wearing shorts at this time here. Oh, he's definitely wearing shorts. He's wearing shorts, but probably with uh, a couple of layers of uh, tracksuit bottoms as well. Yeah, but the shorts are definitely there, like. and they're they're like a cream short. They're not, you know, he's not wearing white or black or navy or anything like that. They're definitely. Uh, he should be wearing these on like a beach beige. somewhere in like Santa Panza or yeah. something. <laughs> if they're beige or cream, unlike his legs, which are obviously as always a perfect tan. <laughs> so, just, like briefly on on Kildare. I, when like as a Kerry man, when Jack O'Con- when Peter Keane was appointed Kerry manager over Jack O'Connor a couple of years ago, I, I did think at the time, you know what, this is probably, this is the right call. I felt like I started to feel like maybe Jack O'Connor is a man out of time now in, in terms of his approach to the game, mm. and you could see with like Kildare like against Roscommon, they were hard to tell from the highlights, but from what Sean Cavan and Oshie McAlva were saying that the. They don't know no what, they, they don't what, what way they're playing. They don't know how to play, which is which is strange because they have so many good players. They they, they have they have really good footballers in there, and like in a division two, it's not a good sign that they're they're, they're doing this badly. That they have one win from four games. Like you would have expected them. It's not even that you know you don't have to establish like this killer kind of game plan that you should have these players are good enough that they, they should be in the promotion hunt up here and rather than the relegation yeah hunt. the only caveat is that if you're looking at the games at the start of the league for every club or every sorry every county um you're looking at Kildare Roscommon and Armagh as the top three probably mm. and Kildare have now played Armagh and Roscommon albeit the loss mm. of them but then you're looking at that and you go right that wasn't inconceivable before the start of the league. So then it's only the one surprise defeat that they've actually suffered mm. so far, really. So they could go now and lo- win their last three games. They do have to, two, up. Two, they're, they're playing, they're away to Leash next and they're at home to Cavan and Westmead. So they, 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 could, yeah. they, could, they could end up going You're up. saying only one surprise defeat. There's three teams and two points there and they've lost to both the other two. You know, they've lost to Fermanagh yeah. and, and to Clare. Like, so, uh, or did they beat Fermanagh? They beat Fermanagh. Okay, they no, lost they beat, to Clare. So sorry, played. beat Clare. Lost to Manor, was it? No, they lost to Clare. For All sure. right. Yeah. Well, then the anyway, player. so... It, but so the lost what I mean is they've played the teams around them, whereas Clare and Fermanagh are playing each other. Yeah. You know, there's two teams go down, but I'm just thinking if somebody makes a run, Clare and Fermanagh, one of them are more than likely going to be on four points. They probably have to get to six. I think they have to win two of the last three. They're in big trouble. Mm. Uh, moving on to the Hurling lads. PJ, 
I'm looking here at my notes for Cork against Limerick. Go on. Limerick came out narrow victors, and I just have PJ, Limerick are bullies. <laughs> Explain yourself. I think they are more physical than any team in Harlan right now. And it, it is a consequence of their strength and conditioning program that these players have been a part of, that most of this like panel have been a part of for like from minor up, I'm guessing. They... Like you think of the Keen Lynch we saw like a few years ago, like the the kind of the wave. He is so far departed from that now. He he is like he he's a unit on the pitch, and they all are, but they are also all very mobile. It's not that they they haven't just put on a load of muscle and they can't move anymore. These lads can move, and they will they like they blow you off the ball. And it's everyone who comes on. They 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 are all the same. It's, it's uh, their strength and strength strength and depth. And then their strength in depth. Yeah, <laughs> they have st- they have strength. Yeah, you're right. They have strength, and they've they've got depth like no one else. Which is part of the reason I think they're playing so well at this at this time of year. Mm. I, I I think it was after the first the two or three games they had used thirty two players. Yeah, which is an, an incredible number. Like that, no other intercounty, no other panel has that kind of depth at the moment. Which is why, like. It's why they're flying so. It's why they're going so well in the league, and yeah. it's not, like it's not like we're talking about Monaghan Larry are playing all their good players now. What are you going to do later on? Limerick have such like so many play like such depth that you can play good players now, and but they don't they don't have to play in the next one. They could take two games out. Yeah, that's why I thought like I think when we were doing on the build up, we were looking ahead to the to league. I I picked Limerick, and I I think one of the reasons is I think there's a massive massive chip on their shoulder not in a negative way but just from almost being written out of last season's story by the you know everyone it's a good game against Kilkenny people remember that but people think of it just Tipperary's year whatever Limerick you know won Munster so easily and were kind of just caught in a in a really good game mm. but one they probably still could have won and I think will think of themselves even more so than 2018 as the best team in the country in 2019. And I think they have a lot to prove. And I think they're just going to, as you said, like maybe that's an extra an extra step up in the physical stakes would, would go along with that theory. You know, mm. like as in they're just going out to prove a point every single time. Don't write us off. Don't forget about us. We're still the class of the bunch. Like, mm. you know what I mean? I think it will probably, you know, they'll have a huge say in it. Like I mean, Tipperary and so on and so forth will all, always be a part of it but Limerick to me are definitely the team to watch for the rest of the year but also Cork you know obviously no shame in the performance at the weekend and then you're looking at Waterford beating Galway we talked about a couple of weeks ago how the Munster Championship is shaping up but like that's not even talking about Tipperary and Clare as well yeah Clare drew with Kilkenny in a match that was very weird like in terms of like the, the the runs of scores by both teams there was like massive massive changes and leads and everything like that but ultimately kind of even though it was a match they should have won easily I was impressed by the way they kind of ground out a draw in the end mm. you know having fallen behind and have been quite good and experimental under a new manager which is exactly what you want to see in the league you know is like getting results and playing well doing nice things scoring goals which is something that Clare haven't been doing in years so I've been delighted with the league then you look at Waterford and they're 4 out of 4 and are playing like a completely different team than the one we've seen for the last two years and are using a lot of young players a lot of different players I think Derek McGrath said there was only seven lads from the 2017 All-Ireland All-Ireland final that were involved yeah, yesterday which is remarkable I, he said that on League Sunday I don't have the exact the exact stat but for their turnaround is unbelievable and I, I, I find it interesting that if you look at 
Clare, Waterford, to an extent Wexford after kind of winning the last two weeks and all, that they're kind of, along with Limerick, the teams that are her setting the pace in Hurling this year, whereas like Tip, Kilkenny, Cork, even Galway especially, are kind of seem like they're kind of a step off. Now it doesn't matter come championship, we'll see what happens, but it's definitely good for the almost excitement as we head into as we head into the summer, mm. that there seems like there's kind of eight teams that are eight or nine teams that are going to be somewhat relevant. You yeah, know? There, there was so much change, like with those new managers coming in, you wondered, uh, what's, what is going to happen mm. here? But it, like you were saying, it is great to see that it is all, it's, it's all positive. Yeah. Apart from like, Galway. Well, yes. Yeah, yeah for the teams well, that we yeah. mentioned, all positive, but Galway are the next part of that story, like, you know, is that they look like a team that, you know, got in a manager very, very late and haven't really established an identity yet, you know? Now, they've plenty of time to find it and they've enough talent, but look, without reporting on things that you that are rumours, what you're hearing around Galway and from Galway isn't great at the moment, you know, and it hasn't been. And I think it was self-evident by the fact that nobody wanted the job, you know? So, look, there's loads of time to sort it out, but I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be too excited if I was a Galway fan heading into this year. Like, No, definitely not. Before we move off the hurling as well, just a special word for Keen Lynch. Like, I, I think I said it was at the start of the league or was it maybe on one of the podcasts last year that he was just a walking highlight reel. Mm. He was just the biggest talking point from a lot of hurling weekends is just something random you'll see shared on Twitter from Keen Lynch. Again at the weekend, I watched it a hundred times. I don't really know what he did, but he seemed to flick the ball. But it looks like he fixed the ball frontways and then somehow catches it behind between his legs. Behind his legs, yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable stuff. Yeah, he's uh, he like to extricate to, like it's like hurling escape escapology. He was, <laughs> <laughs> like he was like in, in the middle of like a rock where you're thinking, how the hell is he going to come out? Like how the hell does anyone come out with this? And Keen Lynch is always the one who he invents some way of getting away with the ball, and everyone is left look where they, wondering where the ball went. This time at the end of the uh, the first half against Cork, he's he's facing towards the stand. He to, it's, it's in Parky Keeve facing towards like the main stand in Parky Keeve and he flicks the ball back through his he's fi- back through his legs collects it with his other hand and he's away he's that's gone that's the most important part for me yeah because those skills aren't always the hardest <laughs> thing to do it's more the ability to think on the on the fly to do it and you know to take that kind of risk almost but what Keen Lynch does is more than just show the skill is that every time he uses it to his advantage so he has that bit of skill and before any core player knows what's happened he's burst through them and he's yeah. gone and he's made that bit of space and that's that's really the key like but it's, it's just it's beautiful to watch you mentioned escapology it's like exploratory surgery on the field <laughs> with hurling it's kind of what happens if i do this <laughs> then he's gone yeah i was actually i was uh when i thought that when i thought at clip yesterday i was uh i remember back to interviewing keen lynch a few years ago and kind of asked him about those moments that those uh, like moments of skill he produces on the pitch and like does he practice them and stuff but he, he kind of said like where where they where where it comes from it's kind of their origins is even when i was a young fella my uncle kevin he used to be always pucking down the back and if i went to rise a ball he'd be like no try and rise it another way kind of mess having the crack but the basics are always the way to go that's the way that's what i always say to young fellas but there's times that the other types of stuff needs to be done as well yeah. And the other the other types of stuff are like th- those moments we see on Twitter. They, like they they're the moments that people remember, yeah. and that 
they turn up the, like the hurling to feel like yeah exactly and it's why people watch hurling and I do, do want to mention because we purposely didn't put on the running order because we're not going to be complaining too much this year but two games of the, the games that were played in Division 1 this year were ruined this week were ruined by picky refereeing let's say I think so I think sometimes in the Wexford double match downright bad refereeing you know that that possibly ruined the game and then in the which was a brilliant game and was a really really exciting and it was a last minute winning goal and then a bit of genius from Limerick and Keane Lynch and we're talking about that but ultimately just pickiness and just stop start element of it Anthony Daly talked about it a little bit last night where we can argue another day whether it's right or wrong or what way you enforce rules or something like that but basically it does seem like there is one impediment to the game being played at a at a flow and an exciting level at this time of year and that seems to be the man with the whistle at the moment you know Sean Clear in the Cork and Limerick game like he, he was very picky and it was very start stop but the most like the worst mistake he made for me was it was late in the first half when Dermot Burns shouldered Shane Kingston directly in the head. Shane Kingston ends up in a, it happens right in front of Sean Clear, the referee. Shane Kingston ends up in a pile on the ground and the referee, well, Sean Clear does not. Like in an era where we've never been more aware of concussion and its possible consequences, I don't know how you let that go. And Cork were rightly, they were mad. There was Someone was straight in his face like as soon as the play stopped asking what the hell are you doing here? Mm. Like, I, I, like of everything he did wrong in that game that was the worst yeah it was the, the one smoker. thing he didn't call that yeah. was probably the most egregious yeah I just want to let the record show here that this is the sneakiest 30 second whinge I have seen in the history <laughs> of the podcast Mick doesn't want to do a 30 second whinge he doesn't want to go out then he give out because then he then he pretends that we purposely didn't put a referee the referees in the running order even though he did <laughs> well, <laughs> so, well, yeah, but, we didn't put it in the running order but it just has to be mentioned because we're not going to talk about it he proceeds yeah, to talk you, about it you told me it was cut in the running order <laughs> Behind the scenes here, folks. It was cut because we were running out of time, not because we didn't want to give out. You wanted to give out. <laughs> Don't pretend you didn't. It's <laughs> just important. important. Just admit you wanted it's to give out. Important. And now, and now Mark gets in a 30 second whinge about uh, sneaky, sneaky 30 second whinges. <laughs> <laughs> when we come back, we're going to preview Congress. The impression again, we get old with what you put into. It's like a walk of life. If you're good enough, go and get it. No more about it. Your mother sends you down to the shop for pounds worth of goods and she gives you 50 pence. You can't get the pounds worth of goods, can you? Yes, GA Congress this weekend. Now, there are plenty of emotions, as always. Some mad, some not so mad. Um, but there are a few obvious ones we're probably not going to get in. We've, talk, we've talked about it on the podcast, but we talked about the black card coming into Horland last week. Um, there's also mm. the the uh, fight actually being allowed to tackle a player in the, inside the, the large parallelogram mm. and small parallelogram. Uh, you always have to mention the two of them for some reason, even though that the large parallelogram by fact means that, <laughs> you know, by necessity means that it's also the small one. Or a small one is also inside the large one, uh, that you can tackle a player uh, if they decide to play on um, when they are, if they catch a mark. So, but there are a couple of different ones that we probably haven't even heard of. Mm. So PJ, you're going to talk us through them. Yep. And myself and Mick are going to give our knee-jerk reactions. A yay or nay. What way will we vote on Saturday if we were allowed to vote? Okay. The first, this is motion two that will be going before Congress Ooh, uh, this weekend one. on Friday night. So it is essentially the introduction of NFL-style challenges to hurling and football. Each team captain or manager could ask the referee to uh, request his official, to go to his officials and see whether or not um, they made the right call. To go to them and say, do you think maybe you made the wrong decision here? This would also cover Hawkeye in Crow Park and Parky Keeve, where the captain or manager could say to the referee, we think that was a point or we think that was a void. You need to look at this. 
would this be a good idea? How many a uh, match? Two. And then if you, so you get two, but if you get one right, I think you get another one, yeah? Yeah. Uh, first of all, very different to what I originally thought when you said NFL-style challenges. I thought at the introduction of NFL-style challenges, I thought that was going to be like, you know, they want to bring in these uh, massive tackles. Let's <laughs> 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 see how you get on. I, I want to see, I hope they can use a red flag like they do in NFL. Let's see Brian Cody pulling the red flag ah. out of a sock. There's <laughs> 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 a flag on the play. Uh, I don't understand this because without the use of video technology, this makes no sense. It's just like, can you go over to the assistant and ask him to change his mind? Yeah. <laughs> like, so there's so no video like technology involved. It's just like, Wait, oh, think about it a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to think about what you've done? Maybe Are you sure? Just thinking of like, you know, it's like, ah, ref, that was a penalty. No, it wasn't. Challenge. Okay, yeah, right, penalty, so. I do, yeah, nay. Nay for nay. me too. I think it's too, a little bit, I think I think we'll get there, but I probably think this is a bit too early. Like. Yeah, but a lot of these need a little bit more thought yeah. before yeah. before they're introduced. Yeah, the other thing is, I was under the impression that with Hawkeye, even if the umpire doesn't call it for Hawkeye or whatever, if they get the decision wrong, the referee is notified anyway. Yeah. You've seen it happen before where the, they didn't do it and then all of a sudden the referee is notified. So, What's the point then? It sounds challenges? like it'd be a waste of a challenge because it would yeah. necessarily mean the decision's always been already been right. Yeah. Except for unless it, unless it's one of those Brian Hogan crossbar saves where they found the flaw on Hawkeye. <laughs> 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 they weren't they weren't counting on six foot seven hurling goalkeepers yeah, exactly. when they invented the Hawkeye system. Moving on to motion, oh, sorry, we've given that the nay. Yeah, right? would you agree? Yeah, yeah I, I don't. That's okay. not going to pass. It's okay. not going to pass. Uh, well, it's whether we want it to pass, whether as opposed to will it or not. Because okay. well, I, I don't think it should come in either, yeah. and I don't, I don't think it will pass. Uh, motion three. This this is going to see the end of essentially team officials making incursions onto the pitch. So, uh, bib wearing members of the backroom team, no more. Will you be allowed onto the pitch apart from uh, a team doctor or medical m- medical official at the request of the referee will be allowed onto the pitch? So no more water boys, more furnace, hurley carriers will not be allowed onto the pitch. That's a bit mad. Yeah, I mean, a big massive yeah from me. I mean, like, spe- like we've all seen uh, members of backroom teams wearing bibs stepping onto the pitch to to stop to interfere with the kick out yeah. to like fill space it's a massive issue yeah. in football I don't think it's been too big an issue at Hurdle but I've seen it Jesus so many times in football I refuse to well, accept the fact that Carl Lacey is retired from Donegal yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we all saw Greg Kennedy last year catching like did he need to be on the pitch there yeah. when he caught that against <laughs> oh, against yeah. Kenny forgot for that that was the worst like obviously this is right obviously we should be voting yes in this oh. there's a devil in me that wants to vote no because it's so GA and we shouldn't lose too many of those things but mm. I think it's got to the stage where it's interfered in the game too much I, I did, when, it, when it just looked a bit amateur-y and wild mm. I would have defended it to the hilt yeah. because I don't care about that stuff I like that stuff but now it's gone very cynical with football think, as yeah. well as kickouts because the thing is you have to come yeah. on in a break and play yeah. and then it's so it's impossible to referee because they run out of the pitch and then it's like the kickout's taken and then there's uproar over and then they're like, you know, you're happy on during play. And it's like, yeah. but sure, when he ran on, the ball had just gone dead. So like, you have to just ban them all. Stuff together. like hurley carriers does annoy me though because that's, again, it's thrown in a catch-all to both sports. I'm not saying, like, take it, Mare Fairness, Mare all that out of it, but like, 
it, that's going to slow the game down massively. Yep. That's going to take a lot out of it for a few minutes as he runs to the sideline and throws them and gets somebody throwing it onto him and stuff like that. Whereas, like, mm-hmm. literally, it's a seamless thing at the moment where somebody will sprint across the pitch, hand a hurley off like a baton in a relay race and run on, you know, and do, not doing any harm. Do we need the invention of some kind of device that will launch the hurley onto the pitch? Or <laughs> a, a t-shirt or, gun, kind of. Yeah. Thing, yeah. <laughs> Players are also going to have to get training in the art of throwing water bottles and catching water bottles from yeah. a distance because you know what happens there is it always lands short. The top just splurts off and the entire contents of the water bottles poured out, you know, just spills out onto the ground so like we're not made of money in the GA. we can't keep replacing water bottles every five minutes like if this or keeps water. happening or water indeed as well yeah or nay I'm gonna yay yeah. is the obvious yeah. answer I just wish again that it was a little bit more refined mm. and, and smartly thought out as, as we know in the GA, I mean once they see this is kind of a problem here they'll fix it in the future rather than thinking ahead <laughs> <laughs> exactly why would, you, why would you think ahead Let's just uh, have a bad year while we figure out the problem and wait till next January to, or next whatever it is now to fix it, March. That's, that's three years and also I think this will pass because uh, what says a lot about this is who proposes it and it's the Central Council slash the Standing, rules, play, standing Committee on yeah, Playing Rules. Yeah. They've done their lobbying. Uh, motion four. This comes from Montreal GAA and this is, this is kind of radical. Nay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so essentially no more... Uh, four steps in hurling in football you you will be able to now instead of being able to carry the ball in your hand for four steps you will now be able to carry the football or slitter in your hand for two seconds yay or nay oh i'd like that yay i'm nay but not because of the the issue with it is you're only allowed to hold the ball for two seconds mm. so that is going i feel that could be disastrous for, in terms of getting around them like basically the choke tackle without the choke as in the rugby choke tackle without the choke as in getting around a player and just not letting them you see already in in football all the time happening where it's you know the four seconds pass and they haven't released the ball or they can't hop the Mm. ball they can't solo it so it's free for traveling against them Mm. like it's 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 tricky and it's an issue already in the game with the four second rule with, but with two seconds it's just not long enough all you have to do is yeah. literally just stand a player up yeah. and then get someone in behind them and two seconds later free against them I think that is if the forward motion if you're running the two seconds like they have a brilliant Montreal actually went through the old merchant goal and counted it out in terms of the amount of steps he took and, that's, and it's like well if you're old merchant and you've smaller legs and faster than most people and you can run seven steps in two seconds mm. that's fair enough compared to someone who's slow, slower and has only done three or four in those two seconds that's grand but it's just that when you're stood up I can see that being an issue mm. I've immediately been lobbied into an A here actually <laughs> no but that's good though actually because you've changed my mind there because one I think again it's a catch all thing I think this could actually do wonders in hurling where it's really hard to count those steps and people are running in at full blast maybe with the hand up in the air trying to protect the slitter and time is probably more important than steps there were very very hard to see with all Mm -hmm. the bodies and I think what you said there like it probably doesn't apply to football I find it's a lot easier to judge the four steps in football I think anyway like I could be wrong but uh, yeah it seems to be like it's not taking into account the non almost goal scoring chance it's the rest of the the game that isn't counting maybe it's three seconds anyway or if we just like and it seems to be a Twitter thing I don't know if we just all agree that 
the f- rule is forceps, but it's not really forceps. The rule is just don't take the mick, lads. Like, <laughs> you know, hop it, solo it, do something every now and again that it doesn't look yeah. stupid. But Our merchant bursting through and taking the odd hop and whatever, like, fair enough. That He was taking, like, seven straight steps. You very rarely actually see that somebody's taking more than four steps when something isn't happening. Something, like a foul or a challenge or them trying to hold around the ball or them stumbling or whatever it might be normally that's why there's a lot of steps and I think that people never take that into account to the I, like I do wonder this could change the game it'll change the game more favourably for the really athletic players and I think you could see plays on a football and a hurling pitch that you wouldn't see you wouldn't be able to see otherwise I think someone runs into a tackle and they can pivot out they could spin out of it Whereas before you wouldn't be able to take four steps and get out of it. Whereas now you've got those two seconds. Two <laughs> seconds as well though. Who's judging two seconds? So one referee will go one, two. And another referee will go one, two. John, think yeah, about how many yeah, steps there is in that little difference. One you know? Mississippi, two Mississippi. It is another thing for referees to think about. It is so much easier to count steps than it is yeah. to count those. I steps. find like it impossible to count steps though. I have to watch about seven replays to figure yeah. out how many steps yeah. someone took. I, I, maybe that's just my eyes don't work that way and then referees find it easy and leave them at it, you know? Nay from this, me. Nay. Yeah, I'm going back to nay, yeah. yeah. Uh, probably a nay as well, but... There's something, idea, th- there's something in this yeah. there is, and, and again like further down the line this is the kind of thing that will soften people up to the idea yeah. of maybe some kind of change in the future and like to be honest we don't want the Canadians guiding the game anyway do we probably not know, that's, 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 that's a joke those are the views of Mick on this podcast and not the, French not Canadians at that uh, the, no sacred blood <laughs> Motion 5, this is definitely getting a yay from all of us. The introduction of temporary subs for head injuries. It doesn't just have to be a blood injury. That'll get 100%, I hope. Uh, Motion 6, in football, no back pass to the keeper after receiving a kickout. I'm really torn on this one. Like... I'm, I'm one, one aspect goes, that's bollocks. You're just trying to stop the evolution of the game. And then yeah. the other thing is like, well, I don't know. Like... Maybe goalkeepers just should be goalkeepers. <laughs> and maybe that it does lead to a little bit more defensive football or... Does it I don't know. So, my yeah, f- so does it? Not. Because I'll tell you why. Basically what the goalkeeper is, is the free man mm. after the kick out if you get it back to him. How does that make it defensive though? Because is he not automatically using that space to burst forward quicker than it might be the case if you know the full back yeah. is kind of floundering around looking for a sideways ball out to the other corner back or whatever you know I don't really see what the benefit of this is I, yeah, I, right. I, I think it's a change for change sake and I think it's one of those ones that looks for oh we need to keep the game moving and we need to speed it up and we have to stop being negative mm-hmm. and all this whereas actually this isn't one of the issues that make the game like that it just, it just sounds like it's negative it's but two it's sides it's kind really, really. Like. it's like if you're chasing the game and you'd see it doubling obviously like we're talking about keeping possession case in point it makes it so much harder obviously to get the ball if the goalkeeper is good enough to be like a, an extra outfield player yeah. uh, to get the ball back off the them field. but at the yeah. same point if you're playing against a blanket defence and you're the attacking team the goalkeeper makes it so much better or not easier but like really helps in terms of actually breaking down defence even seen it at the weekend with I think it was Monaghan's second goal where Began and Wiley were kind of playing it among the two to each other yeah. waiting for that gap I talked about it last week in the pod, last year in the podcast loads about Ray Galligan for um Cavan kind of acting as a quarterback and he's directing everybody around now going go go like yeah. just finding that spot so it takes away from the likes of Brody and Began who are kind of invented reinvented yeah. the goalkeeper position as well is that is this the time to take away one of the cool positives that's been yeah. happening yeah. in the evolution of football in the last few years I don't nah. know 
That's Nays a nay. For me too, yeah. Three nays, I think, yeah. Yeah. Very We've good. Not, we haven't I, disagreed yet, have we? The, the problem is... Mark convinced me on one of them. Yeah. The problem is I could see that passing. Yeah. Just because it sounds like it, yeah. it's positive, but it isn't at all. Motion nine. Two points for a sideline cut in hurling. I don't agree with it in theory, but I'd nearly vote for it here because I feel like lads are going for it all the time at the moment and it's becoming almost a waste. Mm. It's becoming a, you'd be better off putting it into the mix or, you know, trying to create a play and a real shot. But because it's like this like super skillful competition almost between players, they're going for it all the time. And I'd like there to be a little bit more of a reward for it because it is a low percentage shot. Mm. In an era when nobody has taken low percentage shots anywhere else on the field, it kind of is a bit mad, like if you think about it. But um, why not? It's an unbelievable skill, very, very difficult thing to do. And it's always a real highlight of the game. And it's things that will get people talking. So the more we see them, the better. It, it, it's happening far more than we ever saw in the past over yeah. the last few years. So is, it like, much of a, is it too much of a punishment for a, a rook ending in the sideline 50 yards out? Like, it's not a free, you haven't done anything wrong, and suddenly you're getting punished more than you would mm. be from actually, like, tripping a guy to the ground. I want to see this, like, it'll turn it, like, I'm turn it into, like, <laughs> soccer, where it's like, you know, you have someone coming up the wing and he'll just bait off the defender to go out for a sideline cut. I was, I was about to say that. Do Pierre start manufacturing sideline yeah. cuts, yeah? Is this a, would this be a three-year... What's the the, the I think situation? This is, I think this is a forever rule, is it? Yeah, right. I'm a yay. Screw it. I see downsides to it, but I am yay ultimately. Yeah, I I think I'm a, I I think I'm against it. I I, I don't. I, I think the game is fine as it, as it is. I mean, like I, I don't think I don't think this needs to come in. I don't think this. It's a trick skill, shot. Like, yeah, I don't it? think this piece of skill should be should be rewarded any more than like in any other piece of skill in the game. Like, yeah. I'm the highly suggestible type and I've changed my mind based on PJ's argument there. Good man. Uh, okay. We are on to... Okay, this is our last... Well, second last motion. I don't care. Uh, motion 16. Uh, only designated players and officials may approach the referee to ask questions. So, before a game... Good luck in this. <laughs> to, 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 this is basically to stop back chat to referees on the pitch from players and officials. So before a game, two players from each team will be uh, become designate, the designated official speakers for, for their team. They will wear distinctive armbands, they'll probably wear like black armbands or something. And during breaks in play, they will be the only ones who are allowed to approach the referee and ask him a question. And when they do ask the referee a question, he has, he has to respond in... He has to respond in a respectful manner. He has to give them a proper answer. He can't just blow them off and say it not for you. Like, I'm, I'm not talking to you. Also, uh, there will be an official from each team on the sideline who will be able to, similarly, will wear an armband and they will be able to approach the referee before the game at halftime and full time. Yeah or nay? Yeah. I'm very, very, very looking forward to how this is going to be enforced and how referees are going to play their part in it as well and actually give the answers and that it shut up the other 14 players and the other five or six backroom staff. But ultimately, it's a good idea. I think yeah. it, this, is a massive, this is going to be a massive culture change. It's going, to, it's going to be very but we all that's we've all spent a lot of time on the sidelines of GA matches over the years. This is going to be impossible. This is going to be bananas. Like, there is a sort of... But it's a good you idea. You with rugby. You know the way... You're, you only, the captain can only talk. But at the same point, referees have common sense sometimes. If someone says something, I like, oh, what? I didn't... Like, Bundyaki, you know, losing the mind at the weekend when he was 
uh, blown for uh, being off his feet. You'd see it sometimes, yeah. like you know, in a scrum or whatever, where whoever's been penalised around going, "What the name of God?" And like scrum it's a little, always in yeah, the air, isn't it? It's he? a little yeah. outburst, and then it's done. It's this whole getting up in the referee's face and constantly harassing him. If he gets rid of that, I mean, the next step, if this doesn't work, is we're just going to have to get Kian Corlas in for every game. And they're like, I will suspend the game. I will suspend the game. And just the Kingston. I thought hand. he made a mistake there when he said like, Kian Corlas for a second. <laughs> we've got two years. We've got two years. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to see what the punishment is, though, because referees are going to have to be hard enough on it. Like, you know? Yeah. Uh, I have the punishment here. Hold on. Uh, where is it? This is actually this is proposed by Navina from uh, from Wexford. It's a, it's a pretty good. It, it, it is a good idea. Uh, yeah, I, I think that the punishment is a free. I think. Yeah, a free will be awarded if a player other than those designated approaches the referee. So it's not I, too I, harsh. It, it, I was hoping for a red card. <laughs> well, so if you for abusing the referee, you get a black card or a red card, depending on what yeah, level yeah. it is. So like that could fall into that. I don't know. Well. Yeah, yeah, I suppose it could, but I, I think I think this just like stops what like an element of the game I don't like seeing. Yeah, like and this just curbs to, it completely. To talk about referees and GA, I'm not going to get into it now, but it grinds my gears. There's too much talk about referees, mm. constant, constant talk about bloody referees. It defines a game, though. It's very hard not to. It does. It defines how a game is played. What the referee is. Yeah, doing. but it's so, not their fault. It's not. It's not a criticism of referees, but. It's understandable there's a lot of talk about referees because it literally is the difference between how a game is played, whether it's good to watch or whether it's not. He's yeah. a referee. Sometimes I wonder though, does all the talk about referees also then put more pressure on the referee? That could and be then true, yeah. also ends up doing anyway. We go on last last motion you want to talk about PJ. Second last. We got two more. There's a so this one I I think this is gonna be a yay for all of us as well. Uh, essentially in the super eights uh that the CCCC would be able to designate a neutral venue as whatever uh, they will be able to organize a game when it's designated as being like a neutral venue game for whichever venue they want a neutral venue doesn't have to be crow park anymore it can be anywhere so that essentially means that dublin would only have one game in the super eights in crow park does think, it yeah okay so they would have their their home game would be in crow park their away game is a way but to whoever could the way the CCCT to. not pick Crow Park for them? They could, but it seems this rule has been introduced to, I think it's by the Orcorla Central Council, to prevent what was Dublin essentially yeah. getting two home games. Yeah. Yay for me. And also, I think it'll do wonders to not have, forgetting taking Dublin out of it altogether, to not have matches in empty Crow Park. Like if Ross Common are playing Mayo in the mm. Super 8s, like let's have it in Sligo or somewhere, you know, um, much better option. Absolutely. Yeah, the years. Well, I, I think this this going to pass. So the last one we're going to talk about here is some is a hurling one again, and it's changes essentially to the to the Leinster Championship and every tier below that. So <laughs> <laughs> this is a simple one. This is a simple one. Uh, I don't. This probably won't pass, but it's worth talking about. Uh, so next year, this year, there will be no relegation from the Leinster Championship, and a team will come up from the Joe McDonough Cup whoever wins it, uh, to mean that there will be six teams in the Leinster Championship next year. There will also be changes to promotion relegation in the Joe McDonough Cup, Chris Ewing Cup, Laurie Marr and Nicky Rackard for the following years, which will realign them to mean that in the Joe McDonough, it will go from five this year to six teams next Good, year. Yeah. Christy Ring from eight to six, uh, Nicky Rackard from eight to six and Laurie Marr will go from four to six. So... The problem with this is if that Kerry, if Kerry win the Joe McDonough Cup, then 
essentially like the Leinster Championship will stay at five teams next year mm. and that this rule will be have been introduced for, no for not it, it really messes with, with, with the entire thing sure I know I, I get that it was my first thought was what's happening when Kerry win the John McDonough here but taking that possible flaw out of it which I think will just set it back rather than yeah. completely mess it up I think this is a really good idea because the problem was with the six teams in Leinster like you want you want these teams to have a chance and to have a, a fighting chance against each other. You also want um, you know and and to develop and stay in there and have Carlo be in there for three years in a row and maybe develop or whatever it might be. Whoever the, that team is that deserves it and having five teams that John McDonough was silly. Like mm. it was it was re- so having that back up to six, it makes perfect sense to me. I don't other than that Kerry flaw, I don't really see a downside to it. Yay. My only worry is, and I don't know off the top of my head, how it affects, like, say, moving the Laurie Mara from four to six. Mm. Is that ruling out the likes of a cabin for man or whatever in the, the foreseeable future ever get to the point where they're able to win one of these? Because yeah. you obviously, like, what's yeah. the gap between the best, the next best two that are going to drop down to the Laurie Mara or whatever? You know, the new, same with the Nicky Rack or Chrissy Ring when you restructure them. Now, for the Joe McDonough, that probably would have been. Offaly wouldn't have been from last year. Yeah. They would have stayed up in the extra team. Um, so there's not a big drop-off there, but just further down the Sure, divisions. there is, but at the same time, I don't know what the benefit long-term of these of these teams playing in four-team championships yeah. every year is. You know what I mean? It's not like it's it's putting it from six to ten, and then suddenly they're just going to be lost in the sea. It's actually giving them an extra two games a year. Definitely. And I, that and it could be the same, be as, harm, really, it's the same you know? thing as you're saying with Carlo getting that extra year or two up in... Leinster that maybe they'll actually bring them on yeah. so maybe a year yeah I'm probably maybe a year probably a year you as well. got well, the sense this wouldn't go through uh, I don't think it's going to go through I mean the, who's fighting it uh, I, I think there is a sense within Central Council that uh, th- while there is a good idea in here this isn't the exact wording of what they would like it's not their idea yeah yeah well the, it's proposed by the Leinster Council right okay Fair play to them as well, like you know that. Uh, well, I suppose they're getting an extra game, yep. an extra an extra five games a year or whatever. But I, like, like it is also proposed by the Leinster Council, which is why it doesn't address the flaw of Kerry, Kerry. getting Kerry getting screwed if if they win. Like if Kerry win the Joe McDonough Cup, there is no way they can go up. But there is no way they're going to beat Waterford or Clare or whoever finishes bottom of the Munster Has Championship. Anyone, like is Kerry GA slash Munster GA right? The, the two bodies that would be in control of this, as well as Leinster. Are they open to the idea of Kerry playing in the Leinster Championship? I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, I, I mean, m- I presume m- it's not because Kerry are such a, like, uh, you know, are one of the core Munster, mm. you know, council, mm. count, you know, because it is a dual sport thing and Kerry are obviously so, so big in, in the football side of it. But it would make the most sense given what the kind of Leinster champ, the last spot in the Leinster Championship has been, you know? My presumption is that Leinster are against it, having another team that is not a Leinster From team there, c- yeah. c- coming in. But, like, I, Kerry, Kerry are getting screwed here. Kerry, and like, I, I, I don't know what you do about, like the, obvious, like, the obvious thing to be done is just have two groups. They are not, they are not the Munster Championship. They are not the Leinster Championship. You have two groups of six teams each. Yeah. And th- that would solve, that would or, solve a lot of it. But, then, like, you're getting rid... Like, people care about the Munster Championship. Yeah, okay. Well, if Kerry are in Munster then, and this is going to have six teams in the Leinster Championship, unless Kerry win Joe McDonough, in which case there's six teams in the Munster Championship. What's yeah. the problem there? Like, you know? I, yeah. Do you yeah. know? I, like, um, uh, again, an easy fix, I would say, if they just sort of... 
thought about it for five minutes. You I, never know though. Sometimes these things, like the Dublin neutral venue kind of thing, thing that I remember with Congress, it didn't pass. And we're like, oh, what's going on? Why are they leaving Dublin another game in Quebec? And sometimes it just does need rewarding, needs an extra bit of thought. Some other flag flying um, processes just make the thing a bit more palatable as well. So I've got a feeling this won't go in because like it, it doesn't address the carry problem. Yeah. If, they're going to, if they're going to address this problem, they would like to address both of them. Anyway, we look forward to it. Friday and Saturday, Congress special. Uh, <laughs> new president as well. New president year, as well, yeah. yeah. So there's plenty, plenty, plenty to look forward to, not to mention that there are going to be plenty of actual, uh, there's no hurling next weekend, but there will be uh, lots of Alliance League football uh, this weekend coming, which we will be previewing on the build-up this Wednesday when we play GA Guest the Handicaps. I am the reigning and defending Guess the handicaps champion after a uh, a dramatic dramatic win over Donny last weekend. So uh, we'll see. Or last week we'll see who I will be defending against on Wednesday. You can find us uh, on that podcast by searching the build up on balls.e and all good podcast apps. Or indeed, if you're subscribed through the GA and balls.e podcast feed, we'll be there and we'll be there later on in the week as well. You'll find us there. If you have not subscribed to this podcast yet, just search balls.e podcast and all good podcast apps. You can subscribe there and please do rate and review the show. It'll mean an awful lot to us. But until we chat to you again. Mind yourself.